to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navar. With Matt Petrowski, and of course, talking about your favorite subject, FileMaker, FileMaker Pro. <laughs> and a little bit of non-FileMaker. Uh, maybe a lot of it. Well, I mean, we do the It's Not FileMaker. That's true. Just to show that we're not so nerdy that we're always talking FileMaker all the time. Well, actually, there's a lot of the things that we talk about that are not FileMaker are sort of related to the FileMaker universe or, you know, can be. So I think it's a healthy part of any FileMaker developer's life to be thinking about other things that can be, should be, and shouldn't be connected to FileMaker. In some way, typically, yes. So speaking of not FileMaker, is that what we're starting off with? Sure, because we actually haven't spoken since the iPad came out. The iPad, the iPad, ah! Everybody's crazy about the iPad. We talked, it's, you know, it was announced a long time ago, but now it's shipping, and I got one the first week. I got one for my dad for his 79th birthday, and he's using it. He's actually sending me emails, which he has never done in like 10 years. Um, I think and that's what I've heard from other, I was I went out and I went on a hike with Todd Geist the other day. We were talking about uh, FileMaker business, developing things. He said he had given one to his uh, grandmother, who I believe is over 90 years old, and he says she uses it all the time. Yeah, that, to me, that's the amazing thing about it. It's it's really a whole new platform. Of course, you know, you could say that the iPhone and the iPod are the platform, but the iPad being so much larger, it can actually replace the use of a computer for people who don't need a traditional computer. And it shows that a mouse and a keyboard are really stupid. And they were really at the very beginning when they were, when a mouse and a keyboard were invented, it was because you couldn't do multi-touch on, on screen like you can do now. They didn't have oleophobic coatings. They didn't have all the technology that makes it so amazing to put your fingers right on the screen. It totally changes the use well, of the thing. Definitely be interesting because, I mean, I don't foresee people being able to input as quickly as they can with a keyboard until you've got pure voice recognition that you can rely on 100%. Well, which you kind of do. Well, I, it, there's always a word or something somewhere that's messed up, and as soon as somebody's dictating financial information and it's, you know, one thousand and it hears a hundred thousand, wow, that makes a difference, though. <laughs> sure. So I mean, you have you have to if you're going to rely on it one hundred percent of the time, you you need to have multiple, you know, feedback. Maybe it'll read it back to you or some well, type of. Have you have you used the Dragon Dictation app on your iPhone? I have. And I have that on the iPad. There's an iPad version of it on the phone. And that's vastly better than any dictation software I've ever used. But it still does make mistakes. There's also a new app, which is, um, I forget what they're calling these apps. I was at the Drupal Con recently, and uh, Tim O'Reilly did a speech, and he was talking about, you know, the future of these apps that are just basically, you know, it's collective knowledge apps or something like that, where basically, and I think Siri is the name of uh, an iPhone app i don't it may be on the ipad todd again was showing me the app how you just basically say in natural language what you want for example i want a flight to ontario florida tomorrow and it goes out and it just finds them comes back gives it to you all the different things but you can say that about anything i want to i need to find a sushi bar within uh two miles of me and then it comes back with results and it does a very good job in fact he said um apple bought them and well, it was the only uh, app that Apple has bought. I'm amazed that Apple's own apps have not been really updated for iPad. Um, so, for example, the app that 
the, the remote control app, the keynote remote control app, the, um, the app that shows you photos from your mobile me library, they're still, they're still the, the iPhone size and don't have any new features. Of course they have pages, um, and numbers and, you know, keynote, which are pretty great. Uh, I've only bought pages so far. But the apps that I've been using a lot are, uh, embarrassingly, there's a game called Wesnoth, W-E-S-N-O-T-H, which I guess has been a computer game that's existed for a long time, but I never knew about it. But I saw it was for sale on the um, store for 99 cents, and I thought, what the hell, I'll buy this thing. I have spent so many hours playing that stupid game. It's kind of like early Warcraft, long before World of Warcraft. It's turn-based and um, strategic uh, and unbelievably addicting i don't recommend it if you have a tendency <laughs> to get addicted to games um, the comic book reader is amazing marvell and a couple of others have comic readers where you can buy comic books for two bucks and there's also a bunch of free ones you can get and i never really used to read graphic novels but i think i will now because it's such a beautiful experience going from pain to pain and reading through it that's awesome i'm looking forward to uh seeing what my son gets into, given technology and how he's going to grow up compared to me. There's also an app which is huge, it's like 1.7 gigs, called The Elements, which is the periodic table of elements, and it's a, a really beautiful representation. It's kind of like early 90s um, multimedia CDs that there used to be, that used, used to buy encyclopedias and stuff like that. It kind right. of reminds me of that. Um I've seen it and I've heard of it. Uh, saw it on like probably one of Leo Laporte's yeah. Twit casts or something it's like really that. Really beautiful. I bought it and I just browsed and read from Element from Hydrogen to the end. You know about all of them it was really cool. It was interesting uh, text stuff and really amazing 3D photos of each element where you can spin, sort of in like QuickTime VR, where you can look at any side of it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's so going to be can, a different world. So yeah. the question is, um, since we talk about FileMaker, where's the FileMaker app? Exactly. Yeah, where is and the is FileMaker it going to save FileMaker's bacon? Yep. <laughs> I am chomping at the bit because I think it would be such an amazing thing to be able to develop apps on the, on the computer and to the, deploy them on iPad. It would work so perfectly. But, of course, there's some pretty big problems that would have to be solved, like um, if you've got a script running that creates a 1,000 invoices and someone quits it, <laughs> they quit the app on the iPhone or you know some uh, or it goes to sleep or whatever. These are things that don't happen on the computer, so the fundamental differences in the platform have to be resolved. I wouldn't mind at all if they came out with FileMaker for iPad and not for iPhone because I think the size of the screen is so perfect for a database. So and but you how do you deploy? I mean, how does that go against whatever Apple's recent 4.0 software release guidelines that has to be developed in a given language or something? I guess you would you would be running the FileMaker app, and it would just be able to connect to any database, just like a web browser connects to any website. So you're not yeah, actually that's pretty much you, it. You're not creating. You wouldn't. You would definitely wouldn't have a runtime because that would violate the terms. But right, but you are running arbitrary code that you've written in some other development environment on the iPad. And I think if anything uh, slows the process down, it might be that. Slows the process of, of FileMaker getting the app approved. Even though they're owned by Apple, I don't think they have any special <laughs> cachet with Apple for getting apps approved, you know? Well, it wouldn't be a separate app, though. You would always be opening the FileMaker app and then just connecting to whatever database. That's true. 
And I, but I, I'm trying to think of all the apps that I have, which of them allow me to load programs and basically take over and, you know, run something that I've created. And I can't think of any. And I think that Adobe, oh yeah, that's true. (laughs) That absolutely is true. Yeah, I mean, and, and are, then you're running JavaScript, which is a program. So, uh, yeah, that's true. JavaScript, but not Java, and Correct. not Flash. And Adobe had announced that they were coming out with a version of Flash, uh, Flash development environment that would allow you to build Flash apps and then deploy them on the on the iPhone, iPad. But I think they that got nixed, didn't it? Yeah, from what I heard. I mean, there definitely isn't a whole lot of love going between the two companies. Yeah, there sure isn't. Uh, that whole interesting thing on Apple's website about Flash, I thought was interesting too. I read that, uh, and I think I agree with most of those points. But of course, there's there's other things. I guess in my own world, anytime I see Flash, in almost every case, it's something that I don't want to see. So I got a I got a um, plugin for my browser called Click to Flash. That now, if I look at a website and there's Flash content, it doesn't load unless I click that little box. Isn't there a little gear and you can actually say which sites you want to allow Flash from? Say, yep. for example, YouTube and Hulu. Sure. Versus and, others. Yep. And on the uh, Chrome and Firefox, you also have a, an extension called Flash Block, which I believe is the same on both. Do you use those? Do you block Flash? I do. So there you go. You and I both block it. <laughs> and I hadn't talked about it before now. I mean, I actually... Uh, the one browser I usually don't have open is Safari. That's sort of my third player in my kit because I'm so dependent on some of the extensions in Firefox. Right. But equivalent extensions are coming available in Chrome, and Chrome is as fast as Safari, For in my experience. Yep. So I'm using Chrome for a lot of things, and a lot of developers are moving in that direction too. It's just a... it's. A nice, fast browser. Uh, Firefox definitely has a head start on extensions, but they're coming up fast in the uh, world of Chrome. Speaking of Chrome from Google, what's your It's Not FileMaker? It's Not FileMaker? Um, we, we talked about it briefly, but basically it's... I've got a lot of stuff going on in my head about the future of technology and stuff like that, and I've... My history is that I pretty much wanted to run and control everything. I ran my own email servers, MTA, mail transfer agent, for those of you that are geeky admins, and would basically run everything. But now, there was one day that I decided to give myself the chance to find out why everybody is using Gmail. Because, you know, people over at Lifehacker... Uh, a lot of editors on Gizmodo and a lot of other places, they all use Gmail. And I was like, what's this thing about Gmail? Now, I had switched to Gmail, and I was using uh, Gmail as the receiver for my email, but I was still using Apple's mail client. Mm-hmm. And Gmail allows you to support you know, multiple accounts, so you can send outbound, and it looks like it's going out from any address. Um, it's got a lot of nice features, so I started using it that one day, and what happens is I, li- I use Vim as my editor for a lot of different things, and in Firefox, there's a, an extension called Vimperator, which all Vim is is it's basically it's an editor within the terminal, but it uses full-on key bindings. So just like in Photoshop where you have the palette on the side and you can just hit any key mm-hmm. to do anything, well, the same thing is by default... 
available in Gmail. So you have to go into your settings. You click a little radio button that says uh, support shortcuts or something like that. Then within the settings, there is um, an area called uh, labs, I believe, or something to that effect. And you go into the labs area, and what you can access is you can access all of these different things that people have added that enhances Gmail. So it's not until you get into those labs, and I was able to then tweak the keys to whatever bindings I wanted. Hmm. So because JavaScript takes over in the Gmail interface, I, I dropped mail cold that day. So you're still in a browser. You're, you're actually in Chrome at gmail.com, and that's your mail client. That is my mail client. Wow. And it, and it doesn't matter where... That's, that was, that's what sort of took me by surprise. It doesn't matter where I go. All of my settings persist. I can use your computer, I can use my computer, I can use my computer at home, I can use the iPad, and my settings are with me all the time. And I just, I thought, oh my gosh, this is awesome, because I was using IMAP, but I had different uh, sets of rules on my mail app on my office computer, and I had a different set of rules on my laptop computer. And in order to sync those, I was paying the $99 fee for... Dot Mac mm-hmm. in order to sync those, and then even then the syncing didn't work sometimes. And now when I go in my browser, it's just it is my client. They've got theme support. You can customize the way that it looks. It's just it's nice. And the way that you really get the power is if you're like really geeky, is you use things like Grease Monkey and Stylish, which are add-ons, which basically are this ability to overlay JavaScript on top of whatever is provided in that particular web app. So you get even more cool things in terms of what you can do with Gmail when you start adding those add-ons. So how hard was it to um, redirect your main email account, which is not at gmail.com address, um, and, and have that be read and spam filtered by the Gmail service? Uh, just depend. Well, since I run my own, I run QMail as my mail server, and then I have I ba- basically just set everything to be a forward, to forward to my Gmail account. Oh, now, I see. One thing that I that you can do, which is absolutely brilliant and awesome. In fact, um, I forget who I was talking to, but they were mentioning that you know you can set your own company logo and replace the Gmail logo. It's um uh, Google Apps for domains. That's not just a paid service. Anybody can do that. There is a standard free version, which gives you, I believe, up to like 50 accounts. You don't get like the um, a lot of the extras. And I think you'd probably go to google.com slash apps or whatever. But basically, if, you, if you're technically there, you're going to, and you have control over your DNS, unless you're going to let Google manage your domain for you, all you're going to have to do is point your MX servers or your MX uh, records in the DNS to mm-hmm. Google's mail servers so that your actual, all of the email when it is sent to your domain, whatever you know, mydomain.com is, it goes straight to Gmail servers. Now, one thing I've noticed is that, by and large, because Google is so big, mail gets through. I mean, as opposed to sending mail from my own domain on my own server, Earthlink, mm-hmm. for some reason, it just doesn't like my IP. Somebody somewhere down the road was a spammer, did something, and every three months or something, my email just starts getting blocked 
for some unknown reason by Earthlink. It's they're like, okay, we don't like you again. So I'm like, forget this. If you send it out from Gmail or from Google servers, it pretty much gets out. And so most of the stuff where I was using my own mail servers to send, I'm now using Gmail servers with um, FileMaker 11's new feature to support uh, TLS within the send mail. So you can use Gmail as your outbound sender from FileMaker, which is awesome. Hmm. So Google Docs, I'm using, I, I did a recent article about um, collecting survey data, which is part of the uh, Google spreadsheets in Google Docs. You can do any type of form. It's free. Collect all this data, pump it right into FileMaker. I saw that article. The calendar, I'm using, I switched over to calendar, and I think... Unless Verizon gets on the iPhone, I'm probably going to be switching to Android just because of the support for all of the Gmail apps, or the not Gmail, all of Google's apps. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're taking over my life. <laughs> they're they're just they're doing a great job. I I was resistant at first, but I'm bored now. <laughs> cool. So well, there's that. Well, that's that's uh, that's enough, I think, for it's not FileMaker. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to FileMaker Cool. FileMaker Cool. I have a boring but, one, but it's one that that pays dividends. Let's hear it. It's a, a really simple way to handle sorted columns on list views, and I've used it in a bunch of places. And I, there's probably a whole bunch of different solutions for this. And actually, what I'm kind of advocating is that you use or build a solution to do this. Um, for your own solutions because it's just so nice. And so basically, like if you're in the Finder or if you're in, you know, a lot of different apps, the column headers is obvious that it's that it's clickable to sort. Correct. And if you click on it, it will highlight to show you which column you've sorted on. And if you click it again, um, it will reverse the direction. Correct. Um, so getting that to be done as simple as possible is kind of what I set out a long time ago to do. And I have used it so much, I sort of forgot how much time it saves me. Um, I build a new little solution, and in 20 minutes, I've got that feature is implemented. Um, so the, the way I do it is I use a, a global variable called uh, $sort, and then another one called $direction. And dollar dollar sort contains the name of the field, and I, for simplicity, I use the exact name of the field that I'm sorting on, and I try never to change field names because <laughs> um, that allows me to capture more things. And so I have a, a, a button atop the header, and if you click the button, um, that runs a single script, and it sends parameter to the script. It sends two parameters. One of them is the field that I'm sorting on, and the other one is um, the direction. Actually, no, I don't think it sends two. I think it just sends one, just the field. Oh, because you have a universal one for direction. Yeah, so direction gets set. Um, when the script runs, it says, okay, set the name of the field. If that, wasn't the, if that field was the one that was previously set as the field, then set the direction to be two, variable, two words. Um, one of them is the name of the field, and the other one is direction. Uh, one or two, or whatever you want to do, ascending or descending. You know, it's a binary thing. You could be blank and one, any way you want to do that. Um, and so that now dollar-dollar direction would say, if I click on the field first name, um, 
dollar sort would be the word first name, and dollar direction would be first name space ascending or first name space descending. Right. And then on, and then I use conditional formatting on my object to highlight the one that has the exact same name. And I have a little icon. Um, actually, I use a character, which is a, a up-facing triangle or a down-facing triangle. I can't remember which font I use, but it's a font. So I don't actually even have a graphic. And I have two instances. I have the same. I have the two characters that are on there. And I conditional format each of those. So I've got basically three objects and um, that are each conditionally formatted. And the, the up, up arrow says if... Um, if the direction is, or if the dollar dollar direction equals first name space ascending, then show it or hide it. And I, to, to show or hide, I use the John Sindler trick of making the font size gigantic. <laughs> so since it's a font character, I say make it 200 points to hide it, and otherwise it shows. And then I get uh, with with no with three very simple objects, a single script. And a, and a single button because the two triangles don't need to be buttons. Um, I get my problem solved for sorting. Nice. So I've done that too, using uh, going all the way back when before we had variables using globals. Yep. Similar approach, and I just used a, a repeating uh, global field, and just saved the the name of the field, the direction, and. Those are pretty much the only two things you needed. Yep. And there's weaknesses. You could go to, uh, like, if you're if I'm only using the name of the field, if you switch contexts entirely and yeah. you have another table that has first name and you go into a list and the previous one you sorted was that one, it'll show you that it's sorted, but in fact it's not. So little things like that you have to think about, but they're pretty minor. Yeah, 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 definitely. In fact, there is... Um if anybody doesn't want to take the time and they're using FileMaker 10 or higher, I've got a function for rendering the arrows that you're talking about, and it's Apple Symbol is the font, and then Arial is the equivalent on Windows that has um, those numbers. And it's the it's uh, the function has the uses the newer char function where it actually takes the Unicode uh, ID number, and I have those on GitHub.com/Petrowski slash fmp functions and the one you're looking for is char dot arrows or and char char is a new filemaker 11 function right is it 11 or 10 maybe it's I 10 it was, i thought it was 10 yeah you're right it is but basically you just pass in the direction whether you want up down left or right and then it actually renders the arrows properly hmm. cool what's what's your filemaker cool dr petrovsky well the recent article that i just did i'm as I'm working on this theme library, this um, update to this product I sell, I uh, took everything on Windows, and oh my gosh, that set me back because that's where I I was going ready to release, and I even said this I think in one of the pause on error videos I did where I was talking about no I haven't checked on Windows, and everybody started chuckling, and I thought why are they chuckling? And I knew, you know, I've done development on Windows before, but I've been in the Mac world doing most of my primary development there, and I just don't take the time to go back and forth because I had learned enough so that I knew that I wouldn't have to actually redesign the layouts themselves that much, if at all, when I took it over to Windows. The problem was a lot of the techniques and methods I was using. 
Yeah. So one of the methods that I was using, in fact, I did an article about it, was rendering hidden windows or windows that are off screen. Now on the Mac, this is all beautiful because you never see anything on Windows anytime any new window comes up. FileMaker is going to insist on screen flashing that. And they've improved a lot in FileMaker 11, but I'm designing this for FileMaker 9, 10, and 11. Mm -hmm. So I had to go back to the drawing board because you go through these philosophies as you evolve what you know in FileMaker. You know, you're going going to do things the pure FileMaker way, and you're not going to use external things. You're going to do things without... Trying, trying not to add a lot of cruft to your database, and you're going to use just a pure scripting method, which uh, eliminates some of the extraneous table occurrences that you might use as utility, you know, for utility purposes. I had to go back to the drawing board, and basically I decided to do things with an external system. I already have ScriptMaster installed, and so, for example, here is uh, one example. On a search, I was actually, I have a global field, which is going to be a multi-key, which drives the results for a portal, okay? okay? So it can basically be any number of icons is the particular example. I can have icons from multiple different sets or collections of icons. Mm-hmm. Well, the search, what it was formerly doing was creating a new window. That was a flash going to a dedicated layout performing the find on that dedicated layout there was only one particular field i was using the copy all records and then coming you know going to another field to paste that so you have your multi key using filemakers <laughs> you know and they worked fine on on mac because sure. it was hidden i did, i windows looks absolutely ugly so my solution was okay forget it i'm just going to use the the technology that i know that i need to use that's the fastest knocked it knocked the whole script down into i think two lines or something like that so basically it's using an on object modify as you type each character it's using clairvoyance but it's using there's a new version of scriptmaster that Jesse will be releasing at some point that i'm uh, beta testing that will include SQL. Now you could you could already do this with the the do SQL plugin from my uh, FM Butler mm-hmm. or from SmartPill Scodigo, right. and there right. I believe there's one other SQL plugin too. I think there's several. A lot of the uh, logging plugins also have SQL capability. Yes, as a matter of fact. So basically, using SQL is is just mind-numbingly fast and much easier for searching. Cool. So basically, the whole thing is use an on-object modify as you type each character. You're just going to issue a revised query, and you don't have to do a whole lot of things to get that in. It's basically two script steps. It's execute the SQL query, get the results, and set those results into the field. See, when I do searches for like FM search results, um, it doesn't have those flashing problems on Windows. I'm, well, I'm not sure exactly... It depends it on how you're doing it. Yeah, well, it does a lot of the same to steps. Another layout. Yeah, d- yeah, definitely it goes to a whole bunch of different layouts. But from I think it happens so quickly. That you're on it from the from the layout that you're on. It it switches contexts, and so you can you can implement FM search results to cr- search across thirty tables if you want to. Correct. And so it actually, when you do a search, every time you do a search. It goes through each of the different tables that you could search on, 
performs a search and grabs the records that match the hit that you did based on the data type. And here is the one, and that's perf. That's that's exactly the right approach in standard, you know, when you're developing FileMaker because FileMaker mm-hmm. will go so fast that if you use a freeze window or anything, it doesn't even show you that it went to another layout. But here was right. the one th- reason that I cannot. I usually either open up a new window that's off screen, or I was or I'm using this technique, is any time that you leave the layout that you are on, you risk the potential for messing up things. For example, um, the scroll bar on things. Now, yep. that, do- that does persist, but there are other things that, in my particular implementation, I just couldn't afford to do that. Your tab set. But actually, in the cases of FM search results, it, didn't, it wasn't a big deal because you really intended to be looking at a different screen. You wanted to see the results of right. your search, either in a new window or in uh, your existing window. So in case A of a new window, it can open up the new window and do all the layouts there. And so the screen flash happens instantly in that layout, and then poof, you see results. Or if you stay in the same window that you're in, um, there wasn't a problem there either because it changed layouts to show you the results. So, But, but it, it would be totally annoying to do that on a character-by-character basis. Like the what you're talking oh, about yeah. with clairvoyant, and I would love to get to the point where we can get um, the clairvoyance that you now have in Google, where it actually looks at previous searches that have yielded results based on what it looks like you're about to type. You know, that would be a nightmare. I mean, just the fact that each time you type a character, that a new search is actually executed. Multiply that times the number of users times the number of you know things that they're doing on a server. Given that the server is what actually has to, you know, yeah. do the query, provide the results, you're adding a heavy load. Well, for it's looking a at a cheat sheet, though, is what it's doing. So when when you type, when you start doing the clairvoyant type, the the way that it needs to work is it needs to just compare a very very simple list of um, phrases that start with what you're typing or contain what you're typing. Oh yeah, and you the could number do that. of results that yielded. And then comparing it maybe to your own profile. That wouldn't be that not that hard to do. It would be hard. but um, And I think that's what Google's doing. Yeah, you could do that. I you don't think pre- it's actually doing an entire prefetch search. prefetch what people have actually searched for. Sure. So. Yeah, and score it so you, so you know that the difference between something that has yielded a million results versus two. Nice. So cool. Did you finish... Uh, Finish your FileMaker cool, or did I cut you off in the middle like I usually do? No, that was it. <laughs> I mean, the only other extra thing is, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, with with SQL, it's a little bit easier to um, do like a starts with, contains, and ends with search because in the actual string behind your where clause, you're using a percent sign. If you re- put a percent sign on either side of the actual string of characters you're searching for, that is a contains. If you don't have the percent on the front, but you do have it on the end, that's a mm-hmm. starts with and the other way around. Right. With FileMaker, you do the same thing, and they just use the asterisk. Sure. And that that's really starts to kill performance. Yes. The contains is much slower if you do a FileMaker search. Starts with is, is super fast. Yep, which is exactly why the, the standard technique, the standard method, uses a calculated key based on the low string and the high string in order to actually just reference the index and have a portal filter that out. But it only applies to starts with. 
then you would have to create, you know, a multiple tab scenario, just like the whole sorting a portal method where you want to support, you know, a ascending and descending, you're going to have to throw each of those versions of portals on a different tab if right. you want to be able to do it really fast. Yep. I've so. done that. I don't like it these days, but I did a lot of it in the day. So let's. Uh, we, our topic is actually going to be me asking you a bunch of questions about ScriptMaster, following up on your pause on error video that people can get for free at pauseonerror.pbworks.com. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to talk about just a couple of little news things that have happened recently. Um, one of them is that the seed code calendar is shipping now, and the the uh, second half of that called Zulu, which is going to be the ability to publish calendar data from FileMaker to iCal or vCal client software. So you can actually use your iCal to subscribe to a calendar, and the data in that calendar is in your FileMaker database, so that you can you can have a table that has all your rich calendar information in it linked to your data and with all these extra fields uh, to make it useful, but then allow people to look at that calendar in iCal. Pretty great. Very nice. I'm using Google Calendar. Yeah, you know, I really <laughs> wish that the Google Calendar, there was a FileMaker Google Calendar API. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> well, there I is wish. for the most part. Google well, Calendar, it, it supports both iCal and it supports XML. You just go into however many individual calendars you have and just you can copy the link and then you can get that into FileMaker so you could have the, the what I really wish for, and I'm not sure how hard it would be to do, would be so that you can, if someone goes to to modify the Google Calendar event, um, that FileMaker can regularly subscribe to that, and that that change, that add change delete, would actually update the record in FileMaker that exactly matches that event. How hard is that? Uh, you could do it because I mean you can just. I don't know if it's a uh, a push from Google Calendar. I, you'd have to look at it, but you can definitely do a pull. You can, you know, it's basically the same as what you get with a lot of things. Polling, it's not instantaneous, but you can pull every other, you know, second if you want. It just depends on load and demand for you know how up to date the information is. But I mean, there's so many other ways to get things into Google Calendar as well. I think they support SMS. Uh, they might have you know something where you can email and it will put things in, but it's got you know standard Google-like functionality where you basically can just type in natural language type stuff. Right. Appointment with Jim at 7 p.m. on Monday, and it assumes okay you mean next Monday. It knows 7 p.m. and then it pulls out the title from that and automatically creates the event for you. Cool. Called Quick Ad or whatever. Other news that I thought was interesting was that FileMaker Pro is now available in some other regions it's never been available in. Um, I guess either that or they just maybe shipped that version 11 to those regions, including the Middle East, North Africa, and some other places that are um, that really need FileMaker, I think. <laughs> in- India and Central Europe? India. They must have had FileMaker for India before. Oh, Sure. So it must just be. To, yeah, they know how to get on the wares sites. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> what other news do you have? Oh, let's see. Troy updated his dialogue. We've got a couple of people been. There's a little tic tac toe game out. It looks like all of this news can be accessed through uh, the fmpro.org news feed. Going over to fmpro.org. Um, a lot of people are releasing a lot of different things on charts. 
Um, actually, I saw if you head over to the uh, Saliant site and click on, I believe, their blog. They have a link somewhere. Uh, Debbie Fuchs, I believe, is the one that created a really nice demo uh, showing um, dynamic charting with subsummaries. Very nice technique file. And uh, the download is a little big and their server was a little slow when I downloaded it. It includes a 50 megabyte uh, video with it. Hmm. For explaining it, so that's that's a really nice thing that isn't necessarily a news item that I have here, but something I have looked at recently. Uh, Tony White he released a clipboard reader and some script building blocks. I believe both of those are sort of based around using Quick Keys and the palette that Quick Keys does. The clipboard reader I believe uses an external tool, and we've got some stuff from Support Group. They're they've got their twenty fifth twenty fifth anniversary with class discounts. Man, 25 years, support groups been around. Wow. They're like one of the first of uh, the collective groups to actually provide uh, concentrated FileMaker services. TimeCard Pro, FileMaker 11 training from Mighty Data, FMTP it, different various uh, plugins, Daycons, their mail it, and their toolbar icon, or toolbar plugin. Mm -hmm. And uh, FileMaker Early Bird. Discount pricing oh, yeah, for the developer conference. Mm -hmm. That'll end in a couple of days from the time that we're recording this, May 20, 21st. That's what I've got from fmpro.org in terms of news. Let's go to our main topic then. Alrighty. I am very curious about the work that you've been doing with ScriptMaster. And there's really kind of two areas that I want to ask you about because I think the rest of it, people can look at the video that you did. Um, for, for pause on error. And the two areas that I'm interested in are um, what problems that we've had with FileMaker um, where you wanted to develop a particular thing, but it was really hard to do. What things like that have been very easily solved with ScriptMaster? That's one area. And then the other one is what things that you, ne you knew you could never really do easily with FileMaker or at all that are also easy to do with ScriptMaster? Those sort of sound a little bit the same. I'll take the second question. <laughs> second one first. You get to. You don't get to pick one. You have to answer both. <laughs> okay. Well, then you'll have to remind me what the what the first question was. Well, one of them is you know what things that you you have been able to do with FileMaker that may or be that may have been difficult to do that you okay. that you can do a script. And the other one, the other side of it is what things you could you really never could do with FileMaker. That are also well, like, easy to do with ScriptMaster. The best and most obvious example that gets the oohs and ahs, in fact, I show it on the video, is a lot of people were, I was starting to show them how to um, how to learn ScriptMaster, but a lot of times people are like, okay, why do I need to do something? Mm -hmm. the, the what's in it for me part. And it was when I showed them the example of how I had, in a field, I had 25,000 names. There were duplicates, and they were unsorted. And to first pull out the uniques and then sort them, to do that within FileMaker would take a lot of different steps. If it's a, so you mean a single field contains a big block of text? Yes. Yeah. Of course, I... Let's say... Yeah, I... I, I let's say in your database you have 25, 50, let's say 70,000, 80, let's go 100. Let's go 100,000 <laughs> names. 
Let's make it really beefy. I, I don't even care. Go to say, why would you ever have 100,000 names that were not in individual records? But let's just let that go no, for now. No, that's, that's... Okay, the the scenario is you want to create a, a multi-key that you're going to do something with. Pull out, out of these 100,000, but you okay. only want the unique version. So let's say you do have 100,000 records. Okay. So how are you going to extract the 100,000 records, or the, the names of 100,000 records? What's the easiest way? So in other words, I've got, uh, in, in my 100,000, I've got 43 records that are all John Smith. And, okay. what, and what I want is just one instance of John Smith, that's what you're saying? Correct. You just want to know what are the uniques out of the 100,000. Yeah, that would be challenging. I mean, you'd have to, make a, you'd have to sort it on a, and make a sub-summary... And then count the number of summary lines that you have, which would be pretty dang slow. And there are techniques to actually tag uniques based on using a relationship and looking at a uh, key value based on comparing Mm -hmm. whatever you want to compare, whether it's just the name and so on. But doing that on multiple dimensions becomes even harder. Yeah. So the easiest way to do that is Java, Groovy, which is Script Master, Mm -hmm. will do this within milliseconds like uh, parsing across a hundred thousand is like it'll do it in under a second it'll do it so fast that it's done before you've started (laughs) and depending on your machine and and the speed of what you've got how many processors etc right so basically you can use a list function to look across your relationship and pull out all hundred thousand and with one line of code in scriptmaster you can not only uh, pull out the uniques, but you can sort them and and present that, you know, you can have it in a field or you can use it as your multi-key now or whatever you want. And it, it just does that super, super fast. Hmm. And I show this in the video where basically you just, uh, you point at the field, then you use a method called tokenize, then you use a method called, uh, I believe, sort, and then you use a method called unique. And it just basically, this this one line of code does everything that would take you a monster, monster amount of time to do in FileMaker. Yeah. I was thinking if you did it in FileMaker without uh, the subsummary thing, you'd have to write a script that would grab all those values using that same list function and then loop through and check each one. Uh, boy, that would be really... Or, you know, use some sort of a custom function like custom list to sort it. Um, yeah, that would yeah. be really, really hard to do in FileMaker. Pretty much anything, because FileMaker's calculation engine does not support true recursion, You anything that, or iteration I should say, anything that has, that you want to iterate over data, you can do in Groovy Java much faster. Okay. And see, the, the point, the, the fun thing here is that Java is ugly and not fun to learn. Groovy is very simple, straightforward, and cool to learn. In fact, talking with Todd Geis the other day, once he spent, like, I think he said he spent a day, which was my suggestion, uh, and I don't know that he did this as a result of, of he, I don't think he even watched my video, quite mm-hmm. honestly, but that's what I was suggesting to people, is go to this codehaas.groovy.org and just read the actual examples. And they're so simple and so straightforward, you really start to get a feel of how easy it is. Easier than COBOL, you think, or, or C? <laughs> yeah, easier easier than C. I'm just kidding. I don't even. Not too many people even remember COBOL. <laughs> <laughs>
But you definitely have access to to anything that's in uh, Java, and you have full leverage of anything that anybody's created before. And there's all kinds of open source libraries out there. Out there, the one example that I always use is like if. If somebody wants to create an instant messenger within FileMaker so other people on the FileMaker network can actually instant message with each other and they're going to do it, they're going to take 40, 100, 120 hours to build that Mm -hmm. and people have already built it, I could probably put that together in a day or less by simply using an open script jar file that uses a, a Jabber client. And, I mean, granted, you need a little bit of technical knowledge to be able to set up uh, an XMPP server on on your uh, server. Mm-hmm. But then within a web viewer, you have the full capability of a full-on instant messaging client. You know, you don't even really need uh, Scriptmaster in order to do that, but you could do it all within a web viewer. Right. But, I mean, the point is there are these class files for all these different things that you can add into your FileMaker solution that would take you just mind-numbing number of hours. If you wanted to interact with Twitter and learn their APIs, and you want to inter- integrate that with FileMaker, right? so that you can, I don't know, Twitter directly within FileMaker. I'm sure, sure somebody's done it. Just go get the jar file, add that into, you know, load it within ScriptMaster, and then just do it within FileMaker. You can do it with a, probably a couple lines of code. And the things that I've solved... That I I was using script triggers before script triggers existed, because you had conditional formatting. Now I moved from an older plugin, ZipScript, which right. they took off the market, and I was and I was using ScriptMaster because it can perform a script in order to trigger things, doing it based on auto enter and conditional formatting. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that you can do if you don't even have FileMaker ten or higher. Cool. So you gave it a, a really good example of that sort of thing. That's something that you, that would be impossible or really difficult to do with FileMaker. Um, I guess that's kind of both things. What other examples would you have? Something that would be maybe not quite that difficult to do in FileMaker that's still super easy to do. I guess I'm also thinking about, in your example, I haven't really needed ever to do that to show a unique list of names for 100,000 people. I can't think of a reason why I'd want to do that exact thing, but I'm sure that, you know, some people have needed to do that. Well, it's, um, you know, one silly example that I use is, for example, when I'm, when I'm developing, when I'm working on my theme library, one of the things that file, one of the things that FileMaker doesn't do well is provide you with, um, exceptional, they're okay, Mm -hmm. but exceptional organizational tools and knowledge about your database, about what's going on. Now, the inspector palettes... You mean metadata kind of thing? Yeah, it improves a lot. But, for example, when you go into layout mode or any mode, how can you see all of the named objects on your layout and know what they are and be able to select that named object and have it selected on the layout for you? You can't. You, you you simply can't. So, for example, I wrote a, a simple little script that gets all of the named objects on the layout using the function, but simply just presents them in a dialog and sorts them for me because I use a, a very specific naming convention. But I'd still have to go, in order to find out where they're at on the layout, I would actually have to go out, get like an XML dump of the uh, database design, and then find out whatever their coordinates are and 
things like that. But my simple example is I just wanted to see what are all the named objects on my layout and give me them, give them to me in alphabetical order. Hmm. And I did that with one line of groovy code. That's really cool. In order to sort that. That would be because, really useful. Yeah, in Groovy, you can um, you have full access to the calculation engine through ScriptMaster. So anything that you can do in a FileMaker calculation, you can do within a uh, Groovy script because Groovy will access its uh, fmpro.evaluate is the name of the function. So because you have the calculation engine, that means you can get everything about the environment going on in FileMaker, record data, layout data, stuff like that. Yeah, it's fully okay. bidirectional in terms of going back and forth within either language, Groovy or Groovy via ScriptMaster or FileMaker. So what other examples have, can you give me about things you've done for Theme Library using ScriptMaster? Um, compositing the icons, merging those, uh, taking out their colors, desaturating them, converting them to gray. Um, wow. So, change, so that changing means you... their alpha blending so that they're translucent so you can see through them. So the so the theme library comes with uh, an icon, or you put an icon in that's basically colorized in a certain size, and you can use uh, you're talking about using ScriptMaster to change that original to to match what you need, uh, color, size, etc. for your solution. Correct. Well, that's super easy to do in FileMaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You just use the colorize icon in FileMaker 16 beta. <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, I'm generating blocks, blocks of uh, colors, um, and, and I'm ripping through those. Uh, I'm colorizing layouts. So basically, um, I can take um, a copy of the layout that you copy onto the clipboard, and then I will be able to paste it into the layouts area of the theme library, and then I can use a regular expression and run across that, find out what are are all the hexadecimal values of all the colors in that particular layout and then provide a portal for you to be able to actually choose alternate colors and then run through that XML again and simply swap the colors out, giving you the ability to take one layout, which is colored one specific way, and allow you to simply select which colors you want to change to another color and then give you that whole same layout back completely wow. revised. That's so cool. Another thing that I'm doing that is not in the theme library, but something that I do personally, um, I'm creating gradients, which they have an example in the ScriptMaster file that comes with it, and where you get a you specify a starting color and ending color, and then it'll create a gradient based on the height and width that you specify. But one thing that I'm doing is the XML that FileMaker puts on the clipboard. For example, if it's a layout. Um, like one of the techniques was to create a gradient out of multiple lines. This is still so hokey that FileMaker doesn't even support gradients. But the only way to do it was like you'd have, let's say, you know, you, you create a box, you make that box only one pixel high, and it's a certain shade of gray. Right. You then duplicate that and make it a darker shade of gray, and duplicate that and make it a darker shade, and by combining them and stacking them on top of each other, you simulate a gradient made out of FileMaker boxes. I can't believe that you call that a lame solution. <laughs> it seems so elegant and simple to me. Describing <laughs> it, I just feel uh, lame. Yeah, Describing it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, one of the very cringy workarounds for sure. 
Okay, so what I can do is, what I've done is, when I need a, what I call a FileMaker native gradient, gradient composited out of these individual objects, I simply just use a, a template little, the, the little element that is just one, that one line. And then basically all I have to do is specify a starting and an ending color, and then it will just rip through and it will create the gradient for however many um, color points that I specify. And it'll create that XML object and then put it on the clipboard for me ready to paste into my layout. Cool. And I remember when you had the Gradient Maker solution, how long ago was that? A couple of years, I guess? Yeah. I love that thing. I use that for so many different solutions. Um, I don't, it doesn't, Gradients and graphics in general don't really look so good on Citrix, and that's so. The main solution I'm working on right now is one deployed to a large number of users via Citrix uh, for the state of Oregon. So I, I don't get to use all my really sweet graphic tools that I used to use. Um, and also, I just deployed my first instant web publishing solution. I've been a FileMaker developer for 20 how many years now, <laughs> and I haven't really deployed IWP till now. Well, that's where you need those native gradients, yep. like for Citrix and for uh, for IWP. It just doesn't handle alpha really well in terms yeah. of showing stuff, icons. And IWP doesn't do stacked objects. Oh, it doesn't. No, you can't. If you put uh, if you make a button, a regular FileMaker button, and you put a graphic on top of it, it doesn't show correctly. Hmm. See, I haven't used Citrix a whole lot. Oh, Citrix is fine with that. Instant Web Publishing doesn't work with it. Oh, I haven't used Instant Web Publishing either. Citrix, is, Citrix will show you anything if you set the graphic, if you set the colors high enough. It should theoretically show you anything, but um, to to make it run super fast, and it does run super fast, you want to keep the graphics as light as possible. And then it uses hardly any bandwidth, because other, otherwise every time it loads, like if you have photos and stuff like that, um, it has to send that whole image over the slow link. Nice. So it's just kind of a different discipline for development, I think. You got another example for me of, of ways that ScriptMaster has been really cool? Um, trying to think. I'd have to open my theme library and take a look. I mean, really, every, most, I'd say everything that's in the theme library that I'm doing is a result of ScriptMaster. It just simply wouldn't be possible to do a lot of that stuff. It doesn't, you know, whatever it is, regular expressions, iteration, if you need to parse over 50,000, 100,000, heck, a million of something, mm -hmm. um, data pre-processing, data post-processing, um, working on files before and after you take them into FileMaker, uh, it's just going to be able to do it. I mean, there's really nothing you can think of that probably can't be done because you have full access to Java via Groovy. So hmm. Java is the scary word. Don't don't think that you're learning Java. Right. Think that I'm learning Groovy, and you just get to take advantage of Java. Right. Is there any other thing that you've used a whole bunch of times, uh, One like one single thing that you've used in a bunch of different places uh, that pr proved more useful than you might have guessed at first? Mm, not that I can think of. I mean, pretty much it's just whatever the, whatever my needs are. The first question I ask myself is, 
you know, do I really need to take the time to write a FileMaker custom function to do this? Or, you know, it probably already exists in Groovy. And if I have ScriptMaster installed, I'll just use ScriptMaster to do it. So most of the time, would you say you're going to find existing libraries and just suit them to your needs by making little changes here and there? Or are you writing, have you written um, Groovy code from scratch? Well, everything that I've needed, I've written from scratch in ScriptMaster. But if there is an external library that will help me do something, then there's no point in me creating it. For example, the Markdown language. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm pulling content. I'm using uh, ScriptMaster in order to connect to a Drupal site, and it's doing that through XML RPC. So it contacts and passes key information, session data to the Drupal site, and then it pulls information back. And I wouldn't be able to do that stuff. In fact, I forgot where I was headed with that, but uh, the external libraries is where I was going. Right. Yeah, you just use those. Like Markdown, the information coming from the Drupal site is in Markdown format, and it will convert Markdown into uh, native HTML. So basically, you don't have to write HTML. You can write code as plain text as long as you use the Markdown methodology for marking up your language. Right. And then it will convert it into HTML for you. That's cool. So That'd be hard to write in FileMaker be time-consuming. Well, just there wouldn't be much point. All right. these standards already exist. Mm-hmm. You just need to take advantage of them. Cool. Well, uh, let's wrap it up there. Works for me. I hope this was as useful for the listeners as it was for me. Me too. Super uber geeky, but <laughs> I love that stuff. We love to be geeky. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Matt. All right. Thank you. See you later. Thank you.